I like how my beer sounds all widgety. Because it's a widget beer? Yeah. Good old nitro stuff. All right. Welcome to uh, Drink to the Past, the only podcast on the internet where I introduce it with a stupid subtitle of the only podcast where blank every week. The only podcast where blank every week. How is blank anyway? Don't you worry about blank. Let me worry about Planet Express. That was a that was a Futurama quote. Yeah, you're welcome for that. That's what you were hoping for, wasn't it? Uh, I suppose. All right, and here we are. I might have accidentally just had a small tab open where my uh, window was with the uh, thing that I closed, so. If you saw that behind-the-scenes image on YouTube, then we're very sorry for your inconvenience. Anyways, my name is Sean Michael Patrick Thompson. As always, I'm your host of Drink to the Past, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris. Doesn't have a cool lightsaber desk lamp like me, Audette. Hi, I'm Chris. Nihilist Arby's is a thing, Audette. Uh, glad to be back on the show. So, are we boycotting beef and cheddars or something? Uh... No, it's just Nihilist Arby's is a Twitter account, apparently. Cool. Good for them. Good for them. Everybody's got to follow their dreams and make weird Twitter accounts, right? I'll drink to that. So, uh, Chris, what you drinking? Uh, I am drinking a... What is... What the fuck is this? An Odell Brewing Co. Cryo IPA. It's like a regular IPA, IPA, but with the volume turned down. Huh. Is it... Is, is that a good thing? Uh, it's like a hint of I. It's like an IPA, but mild, as weird as that sounds. Huh. Like, so, so it's still got, like, flavor, but right. it's, uh, much less, uh, flavorful. <laughs> much less bitter. Ah. Much less hoppy. Okay. I had a uh, hop tea earlier today. It was, uh, it was pretty good. I like those. I don't know if you've had them. They're a uh, new brand of tea that brews all their tea with hops, which is kind of interesting. It gives a really that unique flavors. It's sounds good. very interesting. Yeah. I like tea anyway pretty well. Uh, this one I had was uh, spruce tip tea with the hops in there. So it was, uh, that was pretty tasty. All right, uh, shall we get into what you're playing? Uh, sure. All right, so, Chris, what you playing? Well, other than the obvious, Minecraft. Uh, I've been playing a lot of if Dota Minecraft 2. wasn't obvious, you can check out our YouTube version for special streaming content and stuff of Minecraft in the yeah. podcast. Video footage, uh, woo. I also have continued to play Stellaris, and I recently picked up a game that has had some interesting mixed reviews and started playing that, Carrion, where you play basically, you're basically you're the thing from uh, The Thing, and you go around killing and From The Thing, not from the Fantastic Four? Uh, no, not, not that thing. Not that thing. The, like other, that the, thing, the other thing. Like, that thing is, like, he's a cool guy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not opposed to that, yeah. that thing. Yeah, well, I've I got... I don't mean to objectify him by saying that thing. Right. 
I've got something uh, related to what you uh, are often drinking. is a left-hand nitro beer, but it is not the uh, uh, Milk Stout, which is obviously kind of their biggest beer, uh, but the left-hand Flamingo Dreams Nitro, which is a uh, berry blonde ale. It's mildly tart. It's not enough to where I would call it a sour, but it's just enough to give it like this interesting kind of flavor there. Uh, so that's actually pretty good. I don't like sours a lot, uh, and I don't like blondes a ton, but sometimes, like, on either one, like, if they're just some weird fruity thing, then sometimes I'm like, yeah, all right, that's all right. And this is kind of a little bit of a blonde, a little bit of a sour, and a little bit of a, mostly some raspberries. So, uh, so yeah, that's pretty good, because it's, uh, I think it said raspberries, right? Yeah. Uh, raspberries and black currant. So, yeah, kind of a fruity little tart thing, not too bad. Mm. Got my special wooden mug here. Everything's cooler out of a wooden mug, right? Uh. Possibly. <laughs> Alright. I, uh, I, I would, uh, I like my glass mugs, but. I mean, either way, as long as there's beer, right? As long as there's beer, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, myself, I have been playing a little bit more on Xbox Game Pass. So I started Final Fantasy XV, and the intro of that game was so bad that I just, like, gave up and played Breath of the Wild. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah, it, which is weird, because, like, I keep hearing good things about Final Fantasy XV lately, so I figured I'd give it a shot, but the intro is just so bad. Um... Uh, for just as many reasons as it can possibly be bad, somehow it manages to, like, stack all of these possible bad intro things together into one ginormously terrible intro. It's... And I was like, I want to go back to it, and I'm still probably going to go back to it, but it'll be, it'll be a little tricky. Because uh, it, it did a lot of things that I just was not on board with, um, so right out of the gate, like, you start up the game, and it's like, okay, so do you want to go into the game, or do you want to start the tutorial? And I'm like, okay, well, I haven't played the game, so I guess the tutorial's a good idea. And the, the tutorial is in two segments, basically. You can either go for the, over here is the combat tutorial, and over here is the story and lore dump area, and you're just like... Okay, why is there a story and lore dump area in this alternate tutorial thing instead of just, like, telling me that through the story? Right? That's yeah. weird, first of all. And then you go into the story lore dump area, and it's literally just an empty room with four tapestries. And if you push A next to the tapestry, it will tell you part of the lore of the world. And you're like... Okay, why didn't you just do that in a cutscene or something? That was that was so randomly distributed. Like, th th there's no reason to distribute it that way. It's like, okay, I would be okay with a lore dump segment if you had done it differently. Even if you did, like, a four posters that you click on to read about the lore, you could have, like, integrated that into the opening area of the game or something like they did in um, 
uh, Link Between Worlds. That's literally what they did. Like, when you first go to Hyrule Castle, there's like four or five little posters that are like, hey, this is stuff that happened in the past. There was Ganon bad stuff and a Triforce and all that and you're like okay sweet I got it so it's like why would you choose to make an entire extra mode for that is completely beyond me and then you go into the game and it's like there's fire everywhere and there's a monster and it beats you up and it's really confusing and then it's like okay here this is what happened before that and you're like okay so why was I there why did you show me this random glimpse that I had no idea what was even going on other than fire? And well, then, you know, and then world, put me back before whatever just happened. World Builder's got a world build, I guess. And in this case, by world build, I mean bore the player with uninteresting lore details before they become plot relevant. Right, yeah. And, yeah, so I'm like, okay, that might be interesting to see how I get there, I guess, but by the time I actually get there, I feel like I'm going to forget that this part was at the start anyway. Uh, so... Why was it there? And then, it start, and then you go into this, like, area, and it's like, okay, here, we're gonna vaguely introduce the, um, uh main character is Prince Noctis. You're this prince of this land that's getting invaded by this other land, and there's this tertiary land that you're engaged to the princess of that place, so you have to go there and, like, marry her so that you can tie your countries together, and something about that will make it okay to fight the bad guys. And it's like, okay, I'm kind of on board with that, except for the bad guys are put out to be this, like, unstoppable force that is literally attacking every border of your country constantly to the point where, like, the king has a magic ring that enshrouds the entire country in a barrier, and it causes great physical strain to himself to constantly hold up this barrier, and if he even drops it for a second, then the bad guy country will invade and kill everybody, but you're supposed to go outside of this country and marry somebody from a third country? It's like, hey. what is stopping the bad guy country from just, like, they're at the border, right, theoretically? So, like, why don't they just guard all the exits, and then when Noctis goes out, they just fucking murder him. So, that it didn't make sense. Like... That's, like, a weird, uh, kind of a way to go. And then your car breaks down halfway there, and you never even get there, and it's like, okay, now you have to go setting. on a side quest to fix your car, and the... And then it introduced, like, a skill tree thing and said, your first quest is to go kill three of these things. And I was like, okay, your first quest is to kill three blank. I hate those quests because I played WoW for several years and I'm fucking over them. And <laughs> then you introduce a skill tree, which I've talked, like, my mild gripes about skill trees in general. Like, they can be okay when they're implemented well, but this I, is I mean, like, this, game... this isn't just a skill tree. This is like, you have 10 points to spend in these eight skill webs. I'm like, what the fuck? How do I even yeah. process this? So I like look through each one of these to see how many points I need, how many points I have, and I'm just like, okay. And I pick my skill and I was like, I am fucking exhausted by this game. I'm playing Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I. I will say, in the game's defense, it is an RPG, 
it's like the one place it's acceptable to have skill trees like that. Right. Anymore. But it's just so much all at once because it's it's especially weird because like a lot of people that I've been hearing saying good things about Final Fantasy fifteen are saying, oh, it's very similar to Final Fantasy seven remake. Final Fantasy seven like- remake had a little skill tree that's bi- it's not even a skill tree. It's like you have five skills that you can pick from, and you pick one of them. And then when you level up a little more, you can pick two or three or four. And then if you level up like a whole bunch, you'll get another five skills that you can do. So it only gives you a little chunk at a time for each character. Instead of saying, here's ten points, you can use them somehow on one of your character's abilities. and Or, or one of these other abilities that might affect all characters. But there and and there's there's just so much to see all at once is thrown at you and it's really kind of like what do I even do with this and I spent like 20 minutes just looking at these skill webs to try and decide what to do and it just was like mentally exhausting I was like why and also in terms of like not just mentally exhausting from the skill tree aspect but Final Fantasy 7 doesn't more dump you. It just starts you in the middle of things, and you pick up stuff as the game, like, introduces it. Like, yeah. pieces-wise. Yeah, I feel like so, that's the correct way to RPG, is to, like, maybe so you'll have a, a lore dump every now and then. Maybe even so have one at the start of the game. That's fine. But, like, having an extra separate lore dump area in the tutorial for no reason is really weird. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, Lord Dump is not, it's bad storytelling. I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. like, I don't even write that much in the web stories, and I know that's bad storytelling. How, how am I supposed to tell video game developers that that's bad storytelling, and it's bad mm-hmm. game design? Right. Yeah, so, then I played a lot of Breath of the Wild, actually. Like, I was like, okay, I'm gonna take a break, I'm gonna play Breath of the Wild, and then I ended up, like, playing for, like, two hours, and I was like, oh, shit, I just played Breath of the Wild for two hours. And then I came back to it the next day, and I played another two hours, I was like, yes, I just played well, for two hours, and fucking in love defen- this game. <laughs> in defense of Breath of the Wild, Breath of the Wild's still, like, fairly fucking good. Yes, it is. Alright, and uh, other whatcha playing things that I did, um, as I said, I've been on Xbox Game Pass, and one of the things that they recently released bum, 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 is the ability to stream games to your phone, which is cool. Uh, so the trial of that was like not very much, it was like $1 for the first month trial again, which is how they got me on the Xbox for PC thing anyways. So I was like, okay, sure, I'll give them another dollar to try, you know, playing these games on my phone. Why not? And I, um, so one of the funniest things that caught my eye was the Turing test, which you might remember I played on Google Stadia and uh, did not have a good time at all. So, um... I was actually pretty impressed by this. Like, it ran playably well on my phone. Huh. And I thought it was really cool. The input lag was almost negligible. It was enough to where, like, every game feels a little off, but not enough to, like, make it unplayable. So I didn't play a lot on uh, my time here, 
Um, I will hopefully play a little more, you know, in the next coming week or whatever. But um, I definitely had an interesting time with uh, the touring test, and I also played a little bit of Halo ODST, which is kind of cool because also that's not currently available on the PC version of Xbox Game Pass. Because uh, the Master Chief Collection on PC hasn't got that port yet. So that's kind of an interesting thing, that you can play some of these games on your phone now that you cannot yet play on PC. So I just thought that was kind of cool. And I was just impressed that I was able to play Halo ODST, you know. I, I, I went from, you know, the touring test isn't a, you know, high-octane stuff happening all the time game, so I figured I'd try ODST, and I didn't get any, any, like, really hard areas or anything, but it still, like, pretty much just played pretty well, so I was like, you know, you know, I'll take that, it's pretty cool, and of course, just coming out today is, uh, Mario 3D All-Stars, uh, you picking that up, Chris? Ooh, I had not heard anything about that because I get most of my gaming news from this channel and react to it. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, we talked about that in the Mario Direct one or two weeks ago. It was announced. So it is now available. Um, so if you want a physical copy, I'd definitely try and lock that down now because uh, physical copies are going to be limited. They're only going to be available till March. And apparently digital copies are also only going to be available till March, which is uh, just weird as shit. I have uh, some other things I am uh, looking for physical copies of before I would pick up a physical copy of this, but I'm uh, the remake, uh, the All Stars. I'm I'm definitely gonna at least pick it up. Yeah. Um. So, so it comes with uh, Super Mario 64, Super Mario Galaxy, and Super Mario Sunshine. So I didn't play a ton of it. I played a little bit of Super Mario 64, which I still feel like is really, really clunky. Um, I wish they'd done a little bit more to make this a bit more playable. And it's still not, like, terrible. But it's just, it feels really dated. And I feel you like on a Switch remake, they could have just, like, fixed everything that, you know, you know modernized it a little, you know? Yeah, I don't think you or I are the target audience of uh, Super Mario sixty four. Yeah, that's true. Um, Given because I, I, I it, like I liked Super Mario sixty four when I was a kid, but uh, I didn't play it a ton. I rented it from the game store a lot, or the video store, and I, that was I, like all of my experience with it. I think there's something different about the brains of, like, Zelda fans in, like, the mm. kind of games. Right. And, like, did you like Banjo and Kazooie that much? Um, I didn't play a lot of that either. I played that at a buddy's house, and I used to play that. They they had an N64 big-ass console kiosk, kiosk at the old McDonald's that I used to go to, and that was where I played most of my Banjo-Kazooie, but I didn't I didn't play a lot of that either, but I I remember liking it okay, but not, like, a ton. Yeah, so I feel similarly about Banjo-Kazooie and Mario 64, and I think it's just these 3D collect-a-thon platformers. It was like, I, I remember having some fun with them, but they were never 
like my game of choice. Right. Yeah, and I feel like just like it's weird because as such a huge Ocarina of Time fan as I am, I will go back and replay Ocarina of Time on a yearly basis on 3DS or GameCube. And I feel like the those versions of Ocarina of Time are more worth my time than even this fancy remade version of Super Mario 64. Because, okay. you know, Ocarina of Time, even... 23, 24 years ago. Let's see, when was that? 97, right? 98? Yeah, anyways, 22, 23 years ago, Ocarina of Time had the significantly better camera controls. Like, the camera I am fighting constantly in Super Mario 64, and I'm just like, why didn't you just give me a full 360 view in the remake? I don't understand why we couldn't do that with modern hardware. I kind of understand there was more limited hardware back in the day, but Ocarina of Time, you know, with their centering mechanic, just with you push Z and it centers the camera, you know, at least worked around that to the extent where you could control the camera enough to where it was never a big issue. But now, like, this is constantly an issue, even in a remake with twin sticks. And I'm like... Why does that have to be a thing? Yeah, that's kind of... I I kind of get it for, like, preserving the original feel of the game. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, the original feel of the game was not as good as the original feel of Ocarina of Time. Fix it. <laughs> I, I feel like, well, we're both biased, obviously. Yeah, both, that's fair. Both, like... We're Zelda fans primarily, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And Mario is... It's like it's not like we don't like Mario. It's just... Right. Not, it's just not Zelda. Uh, so, I feel like some of that... They may be keeping some of that to appeal to the people who really love Mario 64 who's pulled it, saying yeah. it's one of the greatest games of all time. Yeah, because certainly there's plenty of those. You know, I'm talk, I'm hearing people talk about Mario 64 like it's Ocarina of Time all the time. You know, if not better than Ocarina of Time in, in some people's minds. So certainly yeah. there's, you know, a little bit of bias, a little bit of, you know, everybody has a different you know, tastes and all that. So I'm not, like, mad that it's the way it is, but it's like I feel like they could have done just a tiny bit more to modernize it and really make it more presentable to a modern audience. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. It's not, you know, terrible. I also played a little bit of Mario Sunshine, and I'm really not sure what to make of that game yet, because I, like, squirted two sludge-built piranha plants, and that's, like, all I've done. We are joined... Yeah. By a wild Nicholas. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, I I think Super Mario Sunshine is when the Super Mario games actually really started to take off for me. Uh, I never uh, played the, it originally. The ones. Mm -hmm. So that that's that's I actually prefer that one over uh, over sixty four. So, right. 
And of course, it's also got Super Mario Galaxy, which from the mechanical perspective just to me looks the most interesting with all the crazy-ass gravity wells and shit. That yeah. just looks pretty fun. So I'm, I feel like I'm more excited to get into that, but I, I figured I'd, you know, give these other ones that I never really gave a fair chance a fair chance. Uh, although I never gave Mario Galaxy a fair chance either. So I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyways, uh, shall we get into our news and booze? Uh, certainly. All right. Unless Nick wants to talk about what he's been playing recently. Nick, what you playing? Uh, uh, Chris sort of convinced me on accident to play Stellaris, and it's messy. Messy, That's, huh? That is true. <laughs> messy. Messy. You go in and you try to learn, and you're like, I've played games before, and you're like, okay, there's a hundred buttons, which is fine, but I was an <laughs> idiot, and I played it in a multiplayer setting on the fast speed, and when there's pop-ups constantly happening, and you don't have the power to pause the damn thing, <laughs> it's like yeah. a drowning simulator in space. Nice. Yeah, that sounds about accurate. <laughs> that that meshes that meshes well with my with my first experience of the game, and uh, I think a lot of other people's first experience with that game. <laughs> Ooh, that sounded like a beer opening. <laughs> that was really loud. Is it a beer? Indeed. Carry on with the news and booze. All right. Well, news and booze anyways. So first piece of news and booze we already went over a little bit is uh, Halo 3 ODST is coming to PC September 22nd. Uh, we didn't really go over that, but we kind of talked about ODST is now on mobile if you have Xbox Game Pass. So that's kind of interesting, again, that it's just there on mobile before it's coming but, uh, anyways, I'm excited about this. ODST has literally the best firefight in any video game ever. Super fun. And it's really just a... Best firefight? Uh, yeah. I think so. How do you mean? I've um, never played it. Um, I don't know. It's just a really fun mode. Because um, uh, back in the day, I used to do a ton of these kind of things with uh, my brothers on co-op. Where, you'd, you know, we'd have our, you know four-man team split screen back you know on original xbox and some on 360 where you could actually do four-player split screen and um uh in these kind of modes it's like you versus an infinite number of you know never-ending enemies and okay. so it's yeah i i always thought it was uh, a lot of fun just to kind of you know, work together and see how long you can last. Uh, so this one was one that we played a whole ton. We used to play some of the old Ghost Recons had these kind of modes, and uh, some of the old Gears of War. Um, they probably still have it in Gears of War. Uh, we played a lot of Gears of War uh, 2 and 3, I think had good... I think they called it Horde Mode, uh, but it's, it's the same thing. It's Firefight Mode, Horde Mode, or whatever you want to call it. Um, so, yeah, I always thought that was a ton of fun. Alright, um, as long as we're in the news and booze, uh, let's rate these beers. Uh, Chris, what'd you rate that beer? Uh, the cryo is always, I'm like, uh, 13? Like I said, it's like an IPA, but, you know, a bit muted. Less IPA-y. Yeah, so it's, 
obviously not a bad thing. I like my IPAs. Yeah. I, I like stronger IPAs, I would say. Mm-hmm. Or I like IPAs that taste more like IPAs than right. not. This uh, Flamingo Dreams would definitely be a really good, just hot summer night relaxing beer. I say that about a lot of beers, but that's, you know, there's a lot of beers. Hot summer night relaxing beer. Sounds like an advertising campaign. Hot summer night relaxing beer. It's so relaxing, you could have it on a hot summer night. It is still technically summer, so, you know. Yeah, um, so yeah, definitely a time and place for this. Um, just enough tartness to make it interesting without just being like, like I'm a sour because sours are popular. I like sours. <laughs> sours are popular. If was anyone the target of that particular remark? There's a, a, a brewery down the road from uh, where I used to live that... Uh, just makes like shitloads of sours and every time I go there I order their guest taps because I'm just like I don't want 12 sours I want a fucking stout <laughs> oh. I'm sure your sours are wonderful but I don't want 12 sours, sours why do are... you have this many why do sours you have are... nothing else sours are most certainly a one time uh, sometimes food yeah Sometimes food. Mm-hmm. Nick, what you drinking? Uh, just a Coors Banquet. All right. What do you rate that on a scale of 3 to 17? It's good, but I had to pay for it, so... 10? All right. Um, this one, I'm going to... I'm going to give this a 12. It's nice. Good for a sour-ish thing. Next piece of news and booze, Doom 64 is getting a physical release from Limited Run Games on uh, Switch and PS4. The Switch version will have a special edition, which includes a commemorative metal Nintendo 64 cartridge. (laughs) Which is just fucking cool. I'm just like, can I just order the cartridge? I already have the game digitally, and I'm not like... That into it. No, it doesn't. Uh, Limited Run has sometimes made limited runs of actual Nintendo 64 cartridges and stuff like that. Currently, they actually still have up. um, You can pre order Shantae for Game Boy Color. They're actually doing a Game Boy Color release. Are you you serious? Yeah, you can. I might might go out and order that tonight. Yeah, it's it's on uh, right now. So uh, as soon as Payday comes around, I was thinking of doing that because playing the original Shantae, I believe Shantae and Shantae Risky's Revenge both are available for Game Boy Color, but I could be wrong. So check out uh, Limited Run Games' uh, official website for all the details. But uh, there's also different special editions that come with, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff because that's what Limited Run Games does. But, um... Yeah, this Doom 64 one I thought was really cool because I'm just a huge Doom guy. Um, 64 is not my favorite Doom, but uh, it's a really fun one. And if I didn't own it, I would probably be all over this. But right now I'm just like, all I want is the metal cartridge. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's fucking cool. There's always overpriced after retail on eBay. That's how that works. All right. And then we have a couple of bigger ones to go through here. So um, 
two days ago, there was a Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase, which actually had a very good reception, because these Mini Partner Showcases that they've been doing um, have generally been not very well received. Uh, people are just like, okay, you, you, you showed us a bunch of stuff, but nobody cares. But these ones actually had some uh, higher octane announcements. So the first two announcements were both Monster Hunter... Uh, Monster Hunter Rise is the newest Monster Hunter game coming March 26, 2021. Um, looks actually kind of interesting because it's Monster Hunter and in addition you can climb anywhere like in Breath of the Wild is what it looks like. It's like, what? That's pretty cool. Um, and Monster Hunter Stories 2 Wings of Ruin is coming out summer 2021. Uh, so both of those look kind of interesting. Um, I'm not a huge Monster Hunter guy, but, uh, they look cool. Um, I might pick up one of them or something, I don't know. Uh, I haven't decided, because I've, I've always, like, eyed Monster Hunter from the side. I've tried a couple of them and not really got into them, so maybe I'll get them. You guys into Monster Hunter? Uh, Monster Hunter has been, I, I think, I think my experience with it is very similar to yours, where I've looked at it on, like, Okay, that looks kind of cool, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I've just never got into it. Seems like it takes a lot. It's a very effortful game to get into. Yeah, from the um, ones that I've played, I played a little bit of one on Wii. I think was Monster Hunter Try. Um, yeah. And it was, it was okay, but it certainly had a learning curve. And I played the demo of... One of the Monster Hunter... I forget which this one was called, but it was the demo for it on Wii U. And I played it, and it really definitely had a learning curve, even just in the demo. It kind of gave you an idea of what was going on in the demo, and it didn't, like, leave you totally screwed because you didn't have the time to invest to really learn the game. But it still was just like... Yeah, I'm not sure I want to get into this. But some of the other more modern Monster Hunters seem to be... Like, Monster Hunter World is uh, reviewed for... Uh, well, for not doing that quite as bad and being a little friendlier to newer incoming people f to the series and stuff like that. Uh, so... And these ones... Uh, I guess Monster Hunter Stories is a little bit of a spin-off, so Stories 2 might be more in my... Uh, wheelhouse. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll check them out. Maybe one of them. I think they look interesting, at least. So, Pretty cool to see that. Uh, Fitness Boxing 2 Rhythm and Exercise is coming out December 4th, and I feel like it's going to do, like, okay sales, because it's the kind of thing that people buying Switches for, like, their grandchildren will be like, ooh, they can, they can work out with their video games and things. But I feel like it's just going to do total shit sales in comparison to Ring Fit Adventure. Because as a Nintendo-published thing, I feel like Ring Fit Adventure is going to get a lot more hype, a lot more, like... Attention. Attention, yeah. Although, it might not do quite as bad, because Ring Fit Adventure is also, like, 80 bucks with a peripheral, whereas this oh, you can buy in for just the regular price, I assume, and play it with just the hardware. You don't need an extra peripheral. You, you just, you know, shake the Joy-Cons and shit. So, I never played a fitness boxing game. Apparently, there was one before. A low-income fitness game. 
Chris, you're going to jizz your pants over this. Disgaea 6, Defiance of Destiny, coming summer 2021 as a Nintendo Switch exclusive. Sean, I'm going to stop you right there. I've already came. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, so I thought this was interesting, and I thought it was awesome that they said in the trailer that uh, damage numbers are now going into the quadrillions, and... Uh, the max level is like uh, almost a hundred million. I'm just uh, like that is so Disgaea. I don't even know much Disgaea about Disgaea, but I know that, and and this is pretty cool. So, do you not when you like play one game and you go to the next game? Are you like the same character or something with the same levels? No. So you start at one each time, and oh god, you start at one and you go up. That, that's right. And now you can go up to a. 999 million. <laughs> like, max this out, you nerds. Yeah. And they, they, they will. People who play... Like, I uh, I decided... I have two different Disgaea 2 save files uh, where I think I hit level 999. Or max level, basically. Uh, on both of them. And then I have my Disgaea 1 save file that I did that on. I'm still working on Disgaea 5. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of Disgaea 5, if you're interested in that, Disgaea 5 Complete will have a game trial which will be free to play for any Nintendo Switch Online subscribers, uh, which came out uh, the day of the Direct, I believe. So that should be live now, um, and you can try Disgaea 5 Complete just to see if you like it, if you have the Nintendo Switch Online membership. That's pretty cool. That would be even cooler if I hadn't already bought Disgaea 5 twice. <laughs> right. Uh, next thing was Empire of Sin. Is uh, kind of an interesting looking game, but the trailer was really bad, I feel like. Because, like, the music was... I feel like the music in the trailer was, like, written as part of the dialogue in the trailer which was a weird kind of a way to do it, because it's like, I would get it, because it, the, the way that it seemed to be presenting itself is like, you know, ooh, this smoky film noir nightclub kind of, you know, thing, uh, you know, with this jazzy singer in the background, except the jazzy singer obviously had the same voice as the main character, and there would be, like, jazzy voice, and then she would say something in exactly the amount of time before the next stanza of the song, and it was it was cut really awkwardly, and it was just a really terrible trailer overall. So were they, like, ducking it, even though it was cut so that she was saying stuff in between, or was it, like, composed, like, well, but it was just had an awkward effect? I'm not sure. I would guess that it was composed with this idea in mind, just by the way that it was presented, that they composed it specifically for the trailer in order to intersperse her dialogue within it, which is just weird. Didn't come across very well. Basically, the point of the game, though, is that you're some kind of uh, chick who runs a gang that's rival to Al Capone, so... It's a vaguely neat premise, although the it really showed diddly squat about gameplay, so I'm I have no idea what to feel about this game. But the the trailer was bad, game might be okay. <laughs> That's when will game saying. developers learn 
cinematic trailers aren't acceptable except in the case of Deadly Premonition, where come on, everybody's playing for Agent York. Mm. Sniper Elite 4 is coming holiday 2020. I've never played any of the Sniper Elite games. They look kind of generic shootery. The Long Dark is Shadow Dropped. Um, I forgot what that was. PGA Tour 2K21 is coming to Nintendo Switch later. Hades Shadow Drop. This game looked kind of interesting. It looks a little Diablo-ish, but uh, it's, it's a, a roguelike. Yeah, uh, looks kind of looks kind of cool. I there was a trailer for this. I don't know, of several months ago, I feel like. Uh, it looks kind of like a mix between, like, Diablo and the Binding of Isaac, mm. of all things. Yeah. So, yeah, that looks kind of neat. Um, and it shadow dropped, so that's available now. Uh, Balan Wonderland. Um, Chris, you have any feelings about this? Uh, I don't even know what that is. Okay. Uh, I believe it's from the guys that made Nights into Dreams, is what I heard, but I could Ooh. be wrong on that. So, and it it has oh. a similar weird trippiness to Nights into Dreams because you use weird costumes with unique abilities to progress through this place. Um, I, I put it in my notes. You use costumes with any unique abilities to progress through an acid trip. <laughs> so, Bowlin Wonderland. Yeah. It looks super weird, but maybe kind of interesting. It, it it has a similar vibe to Nights into Dreams, where everything is just a little surreal and what the fuck. Uh, sounds interesting. I kind of want to look more into it now. Yeah. Uh, but I am, I am hoping that they, this game is kind of a better game than Nights Journey into Dreams, which was the Wii sequel, which was, it was all right was not what I would call a great game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to check a message real quick, so my thing is going to go here. Uh, Alright, so we are not getting Emmy and Kevin today, and that's okay. Uh, so, our buddy Kevin was possibly coming tonight, but he decided not to. And now you can see that on here, and I will tag him on Twitter and embarrass him with this screenshot, and it will be hilarious. Or not, I'm not really sure. Anyways, so... Sorry, Kevin, we missed you. Anyways, let's get back to... How do I get back to your stream? Oh, shit, what did I do? Technical difficulties, people. This part will go. definitely not be edited out in post, because we're not... What do we look like, fancy people? I'm a lazy idiot. I'm yeah. not gonna... I don't do post-production. I finish my beer while I'm uploading it to Podbean. That's what I do. <laughs> the most post-production there is is stitching, uh, stitching clips together. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. Sometimes. Like if it's only if it's absolutely necessary. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anywho, uh, Rune Factory Five is coming 2021. Playing any of the Rune Factory games? No, they always looked interesting to me but they were yeah i'm not really into that style of game they don't look bad and i've never heard like terrible things but it's, it's just not a game i you know not a style of game i care about that much is this the like harvest moon or like harvest moon plus dungeon or what yeah that kind of thing i've just never really been into that 
genre, whatever it is you call it. The farm simulator genre. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, like actually, genre. I actually like that genre, too. And, uh, mm. is it, have I talked, have I told the story about how my, uh, friend, uh, got my wife pregnant? Not again. <laughs> no, what happened? Like, so, uh, it was about ten years of age. <laughs> so, I got, I, I was playing Harvest Moon on the, uh, Harvest Moon 64, Harvest Moon through the Nintendo 64 there, in case 64 wasn't obvious enough, 64. It wasn't uh, the version of Harvest Moon 64 that I, came out for Game Boy Advance? Did it no, come out in 64? It did not come out in 64, I think oh. that was, uh, other things were happening at that time. Uh, but I had recently married this girl in game, I finally had successfully done this, and uh, Was she hot? Yeah. I mean, to, like, my little my my 10 year old brain yes you're like so it my, has boobs whatever i'll take it so my friend uh he wanted to borrow this game and i was like okay uh so i gave it i lent it to him for a few months and then when i got the game back my wife was pregnant or she may have already had a baby i'm not sure so uh I guess don't leave your video game wives unattended with your friends, is all I can say. And the uh, last uh, piece of news from the Nintendo Direct was uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps shadow dropped yesterday, and uh, there's a physical special edition also coming. So that's kind of cool. Um, I, I think the support on... Nintendo from Xbox Game Studios is just kind of cool, and I really fucking want Halo. Please, somebody, like, email Phil Spencer and tell him to put Halo on Switch, for fuck's sake. That's just two first names. Never trust a guy who has two first names. <laughs> we don't trust you, Phil Spencer. You're not drink to the past approved, apparently. Sorry. He's obviously a lizard man who got his translator a bad yeah. translator. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! My last name is Thompson, and and with uh, my uh, when when me and my wife were trying to pick kid names, like she would always suggest like these, like uh, names that were last names. Like uh, what about Mackenzie? And I'm like, you can't have two last names as your name, <laughs> Mackenzie Thompson. Who's what is she a lizard person? Right. <laughs> which is hilarious because I have a cousin McKinley Thompson, which which is two last names, and it, but that works somehow. But maybe she's like, a lizard mean you're person. You're part lizard person. Hold on, let me email my cousin. Are you a lizard person? <laughs> you need to know for a friend. Right, yeah. Uh, well, all right. And then the next thing is there was also a PlayStation 5 showcase, um, which actually I forgot to put my full notes in the thing, so I have them on these sticky notes here. Sticky notes. So, yeah. So, this thing fucking started off with a bang. Final Fantasy 16 is coming out as a PlayStation 5 exclusive next year. Holy shit. What? Trailer looks badass as fuck. I want it. Uh, based on previous... The last 
three Final Fantasies. Uh, my hopes aren't too high. Right. But uh, we'll see. I thought the trailer looked a lot more interesting than any of the last several Final Fantasies. Um, I was not a fan of 13. Uh, I don't know if I'm a fan of 15 yet. We've been over that. Uh, I, I don't know if anyone is a fan of 13. At least 15 has people who I've heard like one it. person talk nicely about Final Fantasy 13, and I'm just like, how much crack did you smoke before that? So bad. Like, it doesn't even try to be good. <laughs> it doesn't that, even try to be good. That, that was the game I got as a senior year graduation presents, present, and it was like, hey, bitch, welcome to adulthood. This is how things really are. <laughs> Shitty as fuck. <laughs> Fortunately, most things have been, you know, better since then. But. Nice. Uh, next, there was a trailer for Spider-Man Miles Morales, which looks pretty cool. Um, Morales. The gameplay looks similar to the uh, first PS4 Spider-Man. Um, this is also coming to PS4, which is a little bit interesting and has some people like, oh, Sony said they weren't going to do stuff as cross-gen games. They were only going to do it in PS5. And I'm just like, whatever. More people get to play it. Who fucking cares? Right? Indeed. It is kind of silly to have console exclusives at all since they're being paid off by console companies. Right. I mean, that's exactly what happens mm. that, that that's a i understand the business of, sense so i'm not like majorly upset by it or nothing but if it's exclusive a you're a dick and b you're potentially losing out on profit if your game is actually really good so most exclusivity contracts most exclusivity contracts are only for a limited period of time mm. so they usually are but they're usually heavily financially incentivized. So they get extra money for going exclusive, and then it's a limited time exclusivity deal. Uh, so then they can jump to other consoles and get additional yeah. sales that way. For third-party like developers, that's kind of how it works. And then for, obviously, yeah, for first-party, it also kind of makes sense, because, like, Nintendo develops a game, and then, you know people buy a Switch because they want to play Breath of the Wild. It drives console sales as well. So from a first-party perspective, it also makes sense for that reason. So, For your flagship titles, though, like Breath of the Wild, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, next trailer was for Hogwarts Legacy, which is a Harry Potter game, which uh, we've briefly touched on why we don't like J.K. Rowling, but... Um, She's a Nazi now, right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> May as well. Uh, she she just... hates bacon. What a bitch. No. <laughs> oh my god. No, I'm not bacon. <laughs> I'm not that drunk yet, I swear. I didn't have 96 ounces of Guinness before we fucking started. We, we, probably, of Coke. we probably don't want to get into it here. But, uh... Right, anyways. The Harry Potter fans are weird about this because like most of them are like oh my god it looks so good oh but jk rowling so it's like <laughs> it's a little bit awkward but generally it seems hates. to be uh Literally. relatively well well received um, the only thing i can enjoy anymore uh in that world is wingardium leviosa oh and wingardium leviosa too 
Leviosa. Ronald. Um. I I hope we're not copyright striked for that. Next piece of news. I hope they even notice. Only if you copyright strike us because you're listening to this for some reason. Like what why? Wouldn't it fuck be flattering also, to get you. a DMCA request? I think it would. DMCA stands for Devil May Cry Association. Sure, why not? I'm good with that. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War for. is coming to PS5. That's no big surprise. Call of Duty comes out all the fucking time. Looks okay. Um, <laughs> there will be a free alpha test of Black Ops Cold War for PS4, uh, which is starting the 18th through the 20th. So that's uh, today through Sunday, basically. So if you log on on PS4 right now, you can try... Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War for free. Uh, Resident Evil 8 got a new trailer coming out 2021. Still looks kind of cool. Um, I've still never played a Resident Evil game, but it looks neat. Deathloop got a new trailer coming out quarter 2, 2021. That still looks kind of interesting, but I'm not... It, it, it went a little more in-depth on what exactly is going on in Deathloop. So basically, you're supposed to kill 8 targets in a single day... But if you die, or if you don't kill all of them in the time allotted, then you have to start over. And it's got a little bit of detective work kind of meshed into the gameplay. So, like, all of these people are at totally different points in the city, and you have to somehow make a way to make enough of them together in the same place that you can kill multiple at a time, and stuff so like that. So it's Groundhog Day, the assassination. That is exactly what it is. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a new it's it's an interesting idea for an assassination game. Uh and you you kind of have to look through like cuz like the the example it gave is like okay, this guy is invited to a party for another guy you're going to kill, but uh he blows it off because he wins some award or something. So you have to kill the guy that tells him he gets the award or some bullshit like that in order for him to go to the party or something. So it's it's like got a lot of these interconnecting things. Uh, sounds kind of interesting. Uh, Devil May Cry 5 Special Edition is coming to PS5. Uh, there was a new Oddworld Soulstorm trailer. Um, my wife is super excited. I can't talk apparently. We have to drink. My wife really loves the uh, Oddworld games. We just got the uh, Switch version of Munch's Odyssey. So. Abe's Odyssey. Also Abe's Iliad. And Abe's Labors of Hercu Hercules. Uh, I'm just making shit up now. Aww. Quest for the Golden Fleece. <laughs> Abe's uh, Quest for... Yeah, I, I still have no idea what to make of it. It's like, the graphics look really good. There's some kind of new Five Nights at Freddy's thing coming out. Uh, Demon's Souls got a new, uh, trailer, uh, so it's a remake of the original one, and it, it looks fucking good. It looks like, if there's a game that looks next-gen, it's this one. Uh, Fortnite is coming at launch. Whatever, Fortnite's on fucking everything, who cares? Um... <laughs> And there is a PlayStation Plus 
collection coming... So that's the part I did put in my notes. So if you are subscribed to PlayStation Plus, when PS5 comes out, uh, PlayStation Plus will include God of War, Bloodborne, Monster Hunter World, Final Fantasy XV, Fallout 4, Mortal Kombat 10, Uncharted 4, Ratchet & Clank for PS4, Days Gone, Until Dawn, Detroit Become Human, Battlefield 1, Infamous Second Son, Batman, Arkham Knight, The Last Guardian, The Last of Us Remastered, Persona 5, and Resident Evil 7, all included in the subscription right the fuck when you get your PS5. That's kind of neat. I feel like total package, you're still not looking at as good of a deal as... Xbox Game Pass, but there's a lot on here that you can't get on Xbox Game Pass. So it's it's a little bit of a toss-up. Uh, obviously, God of War is a really good one, uh, and The Last of Us are both big PS4 titles. Um, so, like, just just for those, and, and Persona 5, I feel like it's probably a, a pretty good deal. And then the rest of this is all like, okay, sure, that's pretty cool. What do you guys think of uh, getting all this extra shit if you're subscribed to PS4 or PS... Bleh, PlayStation Plus. I'm going to drink again. I'll drink to that. I'll drink to you drinking to that. Drinks. I'm almost out of beer. I need another beer soon. Uh, I mean, I guess that's cool for the people subscribed to that. It's, uh... I don't know. I always feel weird about those package deals. It's like right. buying cable. Hmm. So this isn't gonna convince you to buy a PS4 or, no, or a PS5 or nothing to buy a PS5, subscribe, and get like twenty games that are. I mean, those are all pretty like high quality fucking games. Yeah, yeah. Plus like, whatever else happens to be on. Uh, no, the my buying process is and pretty much always has been. Oh, I want this one game. For Switch, it was uh, Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. And Same. I pick up the system for that. Mm -hmm. And then then I'm like, oh, there's other good stuff on there, too. Like, I would now get the Deadly Premonition uh, remake. And maybe Deadly Premonition 2, if they ever fix the glaring technical issues. Uh... But th I didn't set out to get those. I can just get them now because I have the system for the one game I got it for. Right. And the last piece of news and booze is the last piece from this PlayStation showcase is the PlayStation 5 will be releasing November 12th. The uh, standard PlayStation 5 will be releasing at $499.99. And it will be $399.99 for the digital edition, which, as far as I can tell, is literally just the same thing without a disk drive. And I'm like, does it cost 100 bucks to put in a disk drive? Hope you got internet. Yeah. Um, which, I, I don't know. I'm like, I, I understand kind of the appeal of a digital-only device. And for the uh, 100 bucks off, it's not a bad deal. But I'm just like physical collection for life. <clears throat> so, uh, you guys getting the PS5? 
Uh, not I'll, at all, honestly. I'll, I'll have to wait and see if there's one game where I'm like, yes, I need to get it for this game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like I just really want a next gen console day one, so I want to get it. Uh, I I guess the last 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 kind of post news and booze news and booze we could put in is uh, there's a little bit of a debacle with the pre-order thing with the PS5 because after this showcase yesterday they were like okay so um, or yesterday or two days ago they were like okay so pre-orders are going to go up for this tomorrow and then all around the entire United States every retailer put it up that day so I went into GameStop the day after when they said it was going to be there. They were like, it's happening tomorrow. I'm like, okay, I'll wait till tomorrow. I went into GameStop the day after and they're like, oh, no, they started it early. Blindsided all of the employees. Nobody knew that the PS5 was pre-orderable until somebody came in and they like looked it up. And all of the PS5 pre-orders are gone like everywhere at in physical stores and in online retailers before PlayStation actually said they were going to be live. They were live, and by the time that it was supposed to be live, they were all fucking sold out. That is some serious mismanagement. Yeah, and I'm like, I wonder how much of that was on the retailers and how much of it was on Sony, because I feel like maybe there was some amount of both, but... It's really kind of hard to tell from my perspective, like, you know, who's more in the wrong, or it, was it all just the retailers all made terrible decisions, or what? Yeah. It's weird. And with that, I shall get more beer. And poof, I'm back with a magical milk stout, which is one of Chris's go-tos here. Uh, wow, incredible. Yeah. Never it was almost anything. like you teleported and grabbed that beer in front of my very eyes. That's exactly what I did. You didn't see How me did pause the video recording and, and walk over there and pee. Yeah, Nick and I didn't talk about, like, Rick and Morty for, like, a good 30 seconds there at all. Nice. Uh, Chris, do you usually get this in bottles or cans? I usually get bottles, but, uh... Yeah. I'm, been, I'm a fan of the can. I've been digging the can because they put the rocket widgets in there, like uh, like Guinness. Uh, so it, it gives that burst of nitro right away, and then you pour it and just let it settle and such. Uh, but I, I had uh, some bottles the other day, so now I'm going to compare it directly because uh, I had some bottles that I... Because I got, I got like a six-pack the other day because I was like, I need beer, and I got a six-pack of Milk Stout Nitro because it's pretty good. So now I'm going to have a more direct comparison. Is it better in bottles or cans? I don't know. Because, like, with the bottles, I've been... I feel like it's a little bit less interesting than, like, a Nitro Stout on tap. Um, not to say that it's bad or anything. Um, and it's certainly better if you open the bottle and put it in a glass than it is just out of the bottle because it, it, it kind of re-nitrogenates it if you if you pour it real hard and it it uh, and and let it settle I'm not totally sure how that works but it's totally a thing and it's way better in a glass anyways uh, so see, just, that, we'll that see if the, you up for the pun I'm a hard I'm a poor I'm a hard poor man god damn <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> Stammering. 
You gotta not do it when you deliver or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Kind of like babies. When you deliver babies, you shouldn't stammer. Uh, Is that how that works? So you'll never get it out. <laughs> All right, shall we move on to our table topic? <clears throat> yes. Table Please topic rescue me from this today. hell I've created for myself. <laughs> table topic for today how often should the gm let players take back decisions and uh after that we'll get into how many second chances should players get because i i think i feel like those are a little bit related but not quite the same thing um so first let's kind of tackle that uh how often should the gm let players take back decisions do you think there's an appropriate time and an inappropriate time i yes yes and Nick, why don't you go first? I know what I'm going to say. And okay. I want to see if I'm going to step on your toes here. The articulation is in process. Bear with me here. So if you uh, have a player who does a thing, <laughs> and blah, 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 something happens, they're like, I want to take that back. You only really want to do that if the thing they did was not working the way intended because of an abstract ruling that they weren't aware of. For example, if they cast a spell and it does a thing and it doesn't work the way they thought it was going to work, it did something different. They're like, wait, but it was supposed to do this. And you're like, no, it doesn't do that. The spell doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. uh, you can point to it and you're like, see, it doesn't do that. If you think about it, blah, blah, blah. Then in those situations, I either A, let them take it back or B, say, okay, it works the way you intend, but it's not going to work again. Right, I can kind of see that, especially with new players uh, when they're just like kind of getting used to a, the system even, or spellcasting in general, or various effects like that. Um, and, and even as a veteran player, I've had occasional things like that where I'm like new to a system, and I don't quite understand how it works, or stuff like that, where it's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do X thing, and then GM is like, okay, uh, X result happens, and I'm like, wait, wait was it common <laughs> knowledge that X result w is a thing? Y you know, would yeah, I have which... known that that was a potential outcome? Because if I knew that was a potential outcome, I'd, I'd be weighing the risk and reward, you know, depending on what it was. Right, which is why, as a DM, I would encourage players to inform me ahead of time if they're going to try something that they think might not work. It kind of ruins the surprise aspect of whatever that thing is, but you can kind of give them the heads up so they can be like, oh, it's totally not going to work like that, and your character would know this, and here's why. Or they can say, alright, sounds good. Oh, what the hell? I don't know. Sorry, I'm reacting to something. Or they can say game. that. It's a gelatinous cube. I didn't know there was gelatinous cubes in Minecraft. Yes, they can be quite annoying, in fact. I was not expecting to see one. Fast forward to one hour, seven minutes, and ten seconds, and you will see Chris fighting a gelatinous cube. Check us out on YouTube for gameplay of Minecraft and stuff. Hashtag shameless plug. Middle of the podcast. Welcome to the night. <laughs> Anywho, back to the actual table topic. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, I think in general, like, uh, when I let players take back decisions, it's because they didn't really understand the ramifications of what they were doing, or for some reason, like, the, conse the potential consequences 
were not clear to them, uh, which uh, can happen with anybody depending on the you know the tabletop, the situation, various things like that all kind of go into it. Right. And um, of course, limitations to that are situations where it's a surprise, the effect. You're like, I'm going to cast a spell on the thing to turn it into a bird, and then it just turns into a dragon. You're like, what? Obviously, <laughs> you know, that's a surprise instance. Right, yeah. Of course, there is potential for abuse in that, but that's some um, really meta shit at that point. So it's not even worth thinking about. <laughs> it's just, does your player suck? Check yes or no. <laughs> Don't play with players that suck. I say that knowing full well I'm probably the suckiest player in my group in that regard. And yet I've played with worse. That's why we still play together. Significantly worse. Yeah. Yeah. This beer is a little different out of the can. It's a little more... I feel a little thicker on the mouthfeel. Um, and a little more kind of coffee and chocolatiness kind of come out out of the can as opposed to the bottle. Hmm. That's quite good. I like that in general, but actually this... I feel like this is better than most of the times I've had it. Even even on tap. Uh, which is which is strange. I wouldn't expect it to be better out of a can than on tap. Although, you know, maybe they don't have the right nitro ratio or something. So... Oh. So we're actually all in agreement on this particular topic, and there's no further discussion to be had. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even get to say my thing because you guys said my thing for me. Make the consequences clear to the players. Right. Yeah. This is why I'm I go so much into. I, so recently, I've been so uh, hard on making <laughs> consequences clear to players. Chris said hard on. I did say hard on. Uh, I'll drink to that. Hard on is another word for boner. Uh, yes, we're aware, Sean. <laughs> You're aware, Sean? You turn into me under the full moon? The what? What? I've totally lost track of what I was going to say. So is there I, I ever a time say... when a player has asked you to take back a decision and you just didn't think it was justified and you wouldn't let him? Or is there a situation that could potentially happen there uh, that that would happen? Uh, I don't think I've ever had a player ask to take back a decision because they, uh, and I was like, no, you are wrong to take back that decision. Mm -hmm. You, you want to, uh, but there are plenty of, I feel like I almost have an opposite problem where sometimes I'll say something in the moment and I'll be like, alright, here's an unexpected consequence of what happens, and then I was like in retrospect, it, it should have been obvious that this was going to happen but the player didn't complain or anything so, mm. I, I guess we're golden I don't know. Right. A lot of stuff uh, obvious on the DM's side though so. Yeah. yeah So Why did they do that? <laughs> yeah. Players are stupid They are apparently stupid I Addendum uh, play players, players do not have access to the DM's actually knowing perception of the world. Yeah, the DM's worldview is the world. <laughs> yeah. It's time for me to breed some sheep. So what do you think about DM's that don't necessarily, like, let a player take back a decision, but, like, a player makes a decision that's probably bad 
and they say, are you sure that's what you want to do? Something like that. Like, what do you think about DMs kind of steering the decision towards non-stupidity? Well, I actually don't. Away from uh, unintended consequences. I, I just make sh I don't try to steer them away from things. I make sure they're aware of what they're doing. If it wasn't obvious, because sometimes I'm like, that is profoundly stupid. I'm probably failed in my description. But beyond uh -huh. that concept, I'm not going to hold your hand. And so I guess I get into when do you no longer let someone take something back? And I think that's when it's too late. Mm -hmm. Something happened too long ago. Or it's something they've seen before and they should have known better as a player. And those end up being the things that they can't take back. Oh, you're all drunk and tired because you've been playing too long? Yes, the, the giant rug mimic eats the party. Deal with it. Why? Are you saying you drink when you, when, when you, when you play D&D? &D? Yeah. Oh. Unless I'm on a character I really care about. I never drink when I'm playing d, &D. I don't think you ever drink while playing Godric. I did not drink while playing Godric. <laughs> Even if someone... I, think that, I feel like that's a compliment in some ways. It is! I was both terrified and attached to a character. Uh, let me see. He's holding up the drink side, but it's upside down, so I guess that means I gotta drink twice? I don't know. Drink as much as you damn well please. I'm gonna give this beer Wait, a 15. Uh, this is surprisingly good. I, I've gone on a rant on this very topic before, mm -hmm. but uh, the are you sure is unclear communication that you should not do if you're running a game. Mm. Uh, what you should do instead is if the player is making a decision that seems like obviously stupid, you should be like, okay, why are, why are you making this decision? You should try and get at their decision-making process. And if they say right. they might have a, like, a justification for it, they might be like, oh, I think, I know this seems stupid, but here's what I think is going to happen. You can be like, right. oh, okay. And you might... But at that point, as GM, you might be like, well, your character would know that that won't work because blank, right? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. at that point, that's a theoretical possibility or as well. And then sometimes they'll be like, oh, I'm making this because uh, obvious thing that everybody else seems to know, but this guy hasn't picked up on yet. You re-describe the situation, you say, and also there's this thing in there that makes that a bad idea. And then uh, the player says, oh, shit, I'm sorry, if I had seen that, I totally wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Been I'm, there. I am not perfect at this. I, I am far from perfect at this. There was once a time when an encounter started because everybody thought there were 27 less fewer skeletons than there were since, uh, since Josh tried. <laughs> I was there for that. <laughs> but uh, He said there's three. No, I said 30. Around the throne room. Everyone heard three except for One me person heard and Josh. Three. The rest of us heard three. <laughs> Fucking Coloradans, their lack of teas. <laughs> Thirteen, and then like five rounds later or something, like we get involved with the thing, and then Chris is like, "All right, the thirty skeleton stand up." We're like, "What the fuck? There's thirty skeletons?" He's like, "Yeah, I said." I'm like, "No, you said there's three. <laughs> <laughs> so it's too late to take it back, though. What is that? You guys knew something was up. It would have been, if I had been like, oh yeah, like 27 ghosts come out of 
like the walls, it would have been dicks. Yeah. But at the time, it's like three skeletons. Okay, they must be badasses. This was the framing, anyways? 30, yeah, they're thirty mooks. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it worked out. So, yeah, I want to I want to hammer this point in home for anyone who listens to this and anyone who listens to me, even mildly. Be clear in your communication. Ask questions to understand what your player's perspective is. And don't just hint at things by saying, are you sure? Because that's not useful. They'll just say yes once they get used to it. Are you sure you want to do that? Mm-hmm. Well, not now. Not not that you said it like that. <laughs> right? He's that's a kind of a fun that. thing, though, because depending on the DM, sometimes I've felt like that's a hint to, like, that's a dumb idea, and sometimes I've felt like they're just a little bit, you know, kind of giving you a mindfuck, like, you sure what you want to do that? So you think, oh, this is a bad idea, or are they just screwing with me? Yeah, do I want to do that? Now I need to, you know, really consider the ramifications myself. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I feel like conditionally it works depending on your individual DM style, but in general I would avoid it because in general I feel like you guys are right. It's just like saying, are you sure you want to do that is shorthand for saying, don't fucking do that. <laughs> but other times you can just say, yes, I am damn sure. Would you would you say to your player who is saying, I want to do this, would you say to them, no, that's a stupid decision. Don't do that. Would you say that? I think once or twice I've said that's literally pointless. The guy has one hit point left or, you know, some bullshit like that, depending on yeah. the situation. I feel like I had something like that. But then you're you're but, clearly saying yeah. why that's dumb. <laughs> yeah. Or 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 you're clearly saying, yeah, this guy's on his last leg. You, like, you probably should Yeah, sure, it. you can use your last ninth level spell, but you could also just kick him in the shins. Yeah. <laughs> Save your spell for the next encounter. I mean, what? There's not a dragon behind that curtain. Oh, come on. That's why there's curtains in dry in dungeons to hide all the dragons. Yeah. You cut down the oh. curtain and the dragon comes out and he starts, like, you know, beating you up and shooting you with his shotgun. Right? Hate when the dragon comes out and <laughs> gets all over my pants. Or my pants just there second. anyway. What? So what about the other part of this question, though? Uh, how many second chances should players get? Because I feel like that's a little more open-ended. Because a second chance can mean kind of a lot of things, depending on the situation. I would do the good old cop-out answer of, uh... Kind of wish we had Matt on this sometimes, because he's the mean DM (laughs) of our little triangle. Yeah. Chris is the nice DM. Did you just dye your sheep green? Yeah. Wow. It grows back Peter green too. That? Yeah, yeah that, that's the sort of shit that should keep you up at night. So. <laughs> yeah, second chances. Uh, I mean, 
what do you mean by second chance? If if someone is confused about something, if, if for everything that they're confused once about, it's completely fine. But if someone gets confused about something over and over and over, I don't know, it's kind of like you play it by ear by player. Some players take longer to learn things than others. Mm -hmm. To put that as kindly as humanly possible. Until I said that. But some people do know better. <laughs> mm. Well, it's you would probably be like less patient with, say, me than you would be with uh, some other yeah. players. So, if Chris is fucking so, I don't know though. He wouldn't do that, so it's kind of hard. So if if Chris was like, oh, I didn't know that would happen, knowing that I would basically just grandfather in the result, like, okay, you, you thought it would happen this way. It's a little bit too late. We'll just let it slide. That's theoretically bordering into the meta player is psychologically gaming the DM in order to win. Which, don't do not do that. Don't do that. I've done it. I'm a bastard. <laughs> you bastard. How dare you. But that's actually an interesting point in itself that I thought of this week. It's when you're trying to figure out a uh, tough situation, it's... <laughs> the tough situation versus you so you have to figure out both the situation as well as the DM's interpretation of how the world works in order to resolve that which forces you to be psychological, psychologically analyzing your DM to interact with situations that's a whole other topic on so you shouldn't have to play a guess what the DM is thinking game to you know play the fucking game how do you well, make sure? yeah but you have to play a guess what the NPC is thinking game, which is which influenced is, by the DM's worldview. Yeah, which is a that's kind of a different thing. Yeah, because to an extent, you gotta kind of play that, but that's also tied into you know how the DM works. So if you are close with the DM, you know the way his DM style works and and maybe who he is as a person, you might be able to extrapolate some information there. And even if you yes. can't, that's why. RPG systems generally have skill rules for things that you can't really, you know, always convey. You know, you, there's usually some kind of way to complain that or uh, convey that through the. Uh, uh, yeah, mechanics. for sure. I think skill system just got a point in the Winfield. Yeah, it's a good uh, point. For me, I've I'm still of the opinion that skill systems tend to be. Uh, for, for social interaction, they can be player disempowering, but you are right. That That is heavily DM-dependent, and it depends on, well, clear commu- Fucking creepers. It depends on clear communication on, like, hey, this guy doesn't seem interested in this course of conversation, or this guy's been, like, dragging your attention back to, like, uh, to, like, his family lineage a lot kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, like, like, verbal signposts for things where things like body language and uh, basic what the NPC seems to be interested in so players can work on it that way. Right. Kind cool. of at, like, more as an adventure gamey, interactive kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still prefer the I still prefer the talking it out method over uh, a 
skill system. Yeah. And the only thing I think that I would... The only situation I would not prefer that in is with the GM of... Who is there to basically be like, Oh, you don't know what this guy is thinking. Everything you say and do to, with him is wrong. You're going about it the wrong way. Hmm. Well, I'll never tell someone that, but I'll certainly be thinking it. Very likely. <laughs> <laughs> like the NPCs are pulling a fast one on you sometimes. Mm -hmm. so but when, uh, if your Chris... character has those skills, they can use them to discern reality. Yeah. Right. Uh, when Chris brought up this topic, I kind of got the idea of uh, second chances on a, a very large scale. Um, where, like, one of the things that I kind of like to do is, like, it doesn't come up a whole ton... But, like, if somebody loses in battle to a big NPC or a big boss villain or something, then I like to have that mean something in the world. Uh, so, like, if you guys fail a dungeon and have to run out of it before the time, or, you know, something like that, um, do you think you should get a second chance at that dungeon? Or would it be more interesting and more appropriate to just, like... Okay, the dungeon has failed, uh, and the world changes because of that. Something like that. I I think that second one you've said is better, so long as the change isn't. Oh, you failed the dungeon. Game over. Right. Well, yeah, it depends on what the dungeon is. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but it can literally be you failed the dungeon, and now the world is ending, and you have to flee the planet. But later on, you can drop a quest line saying, "Hey." You can save the planet you accidentally fucked. Are that, you in? That also happened to us once. Yeah, I feel like we played most of a campaign that almost got back to... <laughs> Something like that, huh? So, I think second chances, but wrapped up as more interesting things are good. Unless it's like an arena-style game where they're like, Oh, we failed the thing, let's try again. You know. Right. Like if I put a literal arena in my game. Mm -hmm. And then there's the most common kind of second chance, which is just player mortality, lethality. Yeah. Which is the most obvious form of this, and I think we've talked about it before. So no, no sense going back into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Alright, so uh, anything else on our table topic? kind of final thoughts or any more big points we want to get out of the way before we move on? Uh. <laughs> I don't Just have an a... anecdotal personal story that would be 10 seconds long or less. Okay. I failed to change a boss's sex slash gender. I didn't know that that would happen, but because I failed that, I blew myself up to kill him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. And was still given a second chance because of how the system's made. Yeah. Hmm. Although, if I... Uh, if I meta took advantage of. That does have to be, you know, system-dependent a little bit, I think. Although, if I had... rabbit hole we could go down. <laughs> if, I, if I had really been, like... Been like it, I could have been like... Okay, that cool thing you want to do, where you sacrifice yourself to do to do this, uh, you're, you know, that's not gonna you're not gonna get a second chance in this event. 
but I knew you wouldn't because metapsychological analysis is a fucking factor. Mm-hmm. Now that I said that, he's gonna kill me next time. <laughs> I think I, I'm a revenge seeker. I'm gonna seek revenge on you, Nick. No, I don't think you will. I'll just have to be a little more cautious this time. Well, I mean, that particular game is built so that if you roll the same result on death dismemberment twice, that's when you die. Yeah. And so if I roll that same result, I'm dead. If you, if you roll that same result, I'm going to laugh and also feel kind of bad. Yeah, that's that's dice. That's, uh, that's damage. Yeah. Don't lose your other arm. Alright, not to. Alright, shall we move on? Yeah. Alright, so the what? video game topic for today... Oh. ...is uh, how much trial and error makes... Bleh, trial and error. Learn to talk, noob. Drink. How much trial and error makes a game fun? Uh... Because uh, some games uh, thrive off of being like all trial and error, and you kind of have to just keep on trucking until you kind of understand the system more or find a new way to approach the puzzle, stuff like that. And some of them uh, are like, here's a tutorial of how to kill this enemy specifically. Uh, I would say there is a certain kind of game where. You're like, oh, you need to just do things trial and error mm -hmm. uh, constantly over and over before you even make a little bit of progress. And I get bored with those really fast. Yeah. It's not even like that they're hard because difficulty's fine. It's that I'm making zero progress and I've been at this for like several hours. Well, I would describe Spelunky as being that and that game's a lot of fun. Uh, I feel like you can see yourself making progress, like, marginal progress with Spunky. You're like, oh, I you make gain it. knowledge. You're like, oh, I make it to the jungles more often. Oh, I uh, know how to deal with this thing now. Oh, I should stop trying to rob shopkeepers because they always kill me. <laughs> you say that. Yeah, well, the, say, knowing and doing are different things. Uh... So maybe that's a good example of when trial and error is successful? Yeah, I think Spelunky has a very finely tuned trial and error curve. Hmm. In that... Uh... So what would be an example of a bad trial and error curve? I would say most of the... I would say a really old-school roguelike, like NetHack which the people who play NetHack swear by it. The people who play it regularly. But that is a game that has so much of a learning curve and so many, like, things you can do wrong. Just instant death. Like, you didn't even know what happened because you weren't familiar with it. That, um... And it takes long enough to get to those points that it kind of is unfun to slog back through for the first few times. Once you have the game knowledge, I think things are supposed to change. 
but getting the game knowledge without referring to, say, a wiki mm -hmm. uh, is just a painful, painful experience. And you, in a lot of your first experiences with those uh, things you're not familiar with is dying to them. And starting all the way over from the beginning. So when you die and you say, I don't even know what I did wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you say, die and you say, I didn't know what I did wrong. Or when you die and you say, what and the hell, that's how that. that works? Like, So uh, then you can look at Spelunky and say, I mean, you die like instantly, right? But yeah. it's not a slog to get back. It's like 10 minutes of fun platforming. Yeah, I feel like a full game of Splunky might take like an hour to get through start to finish. <laughs> you mean 10 minutes? I'm just kidding. Yeah, if you we're all speed running or something. Uh, so Splunky's not a slog to get through and Splunky's Splunky frustrating as it is, you do get better at the game and you understand why you mm -hmm. died. Yeah, uh, some games I feel like are like that a little bit. Um, especially one of the things when we were talking about this topic, I thought of Dark Souls right away in that kind of game, uh, where, like, 90% of the gameplay trope is just based on trial and error. It's like, you know, you try, you die, you get better, you try again. It's, it's more or less the gameplay cycle of, uh, Souls-like games. So, um, but at what point does that just become tedious? I don't know, because... I've never really got into a Souls game. Because like, so I felt time... like it got tedious pretty quickly in Dark Souls 3, but at the same time, I wasn't really into the combat, so maybe if I gave it a little more time, I'd get more into the combat or something like that. So. The only time I actually remember those games getting tedious on me and felt punishing for uh, doing trial and error, the first mm -hmm. time I played to the end boss... And the walk to the end boss is like five minutes long when you have to respawn, but I just didn't have the right gear or skill or whatever. Mm. But it felt like every time I played against him, he'd kill me, and I didn't really understand why, so I just kept walking back over and over. Even like 20 attempts, right, mm -hmm. is about when you're starting to grasp it. But with that five-minute walk, what's 20 times five? You know, that's 100 minutes I've spent just walking just to try my skills on this boss. And that walk is what killed it for me. I never even completed it on that playthrough. And that's a very important point, I think, is that when you fail something, getting back to the point... Yeah, getting... And this is the point you were probably just making. Getting back to that point where you failed so you can try again, try something new, is critical. The It's like... It's the same reason why long... In a game where you expect it to die a lot, long death screen are killer. Mm -hmm. yeah. Imagine Super Meat Boy, but every death screen just said you died for five seconds. Be yeah. a completely different experience. That was another I've... thing that turned me off a little bit from Dark Souls 3, is I'd like, I kind of got into it and, you know, I think I'm doing okay, and then I die again, and I'm like, okay, well, that's okay, I can spring back, but it's, it just comes up with the, you died. And then, you know, you respawn and you have to go find your shit, and it's like, all that and it's like then you play games like celeste where it's like you die and then it doesn't even load it just puts you back on the fucking ledge so you can try and again and you'll probably die again 
lots and lots and lots. Yeah, Celeste but is Celeste is definitely it's weird a game. How they do? Yeah, it's weird how they do the same thing as uh, Dark Souls, but Super in a totally point. different way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Dark Souls also benefits from it's. I wouldn't call it just a pure trial and error game because there is. I assume there's still like the gearing up aspect in three, and you can mm-hmm. theoretically grind. There's other options for getting through things if you don't have quote sufficient skill to handle the challenge. So, but yeah, still an issue where you face it, even if the designers intended it or not. Hmm. All right, so, um, just in general, do you guys like a lot of trial and error, or, uh, do you like just enough tutorial to kind of get you on your way? Which would you prefer? Sonoita is a game with a ton of trial and error in it. Mm. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. The game, that trial and error portion of the game really feels like you're a scientist who is slowly unraveling the rules that the world works on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an engaging experience. Granted, you die every time and it takes a while to get, quote unquote, get back or whatever, but every playthrough is a little different. So it's like you have new experiments to try out. There is enough interesting variation in Doida to keep you entertained for a long time. It also helps that whenever you get something really powerful, you have a very good chance of dying to that same thing that would be such a boon to you. You're like, ooh, lightning blast, and then he blasts it and bounces off a wall and kills you instantly. Yep. I can kill anything, including myself. Clip a corner, boom, it's all over. <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason that getting noited is a verb. So is that the right amount of trial and error? Both a wrong amount. Yes, uh, right amount because it's interesting every time. Mm-hmm. That was a conclusion. Recap. All right. Sufficient so information. Anything else to go over on that uh, video game topic there? Tacos are delicious. I'm gonna have some like on Sunday. Get some for me too, would you? I only have three shells. Poop. So, sorry. Bring shells, I'll build your tacos. Two for me, one for you. (laughs) No. Alright, well then, I guess that brings us to the end of the podcast, since we ran out of topic. Uh, As always, my name is Sean Michael Patrick Thompson. You can find me on twoguysplayingzelda.com, as well as on everywhere where the podcast is, which is YouTube, Podbean, and Apple Podcasts. So, come check out A Drink to the Past. Drink along with us in the YouTube version. I'll give you visual cues, and you'll also get some hilarious gameplay of Chris uh, doing whatever it is he's doing that week, or sometimes I'll play some games. Uh, I thought about playing a game tonight, but then I came right from a gig, and I didn't have time to set up all my stuff, so it's like, yeah, whatever, I'm just going to drink a beer instead. Sadness. And, of course, as always, I got my co-host here... Hi, I'm Chris. Nihilistic Arby's is a Twitter account out at. Uh, 
you can find my writings on DriveThruRPG. I have written uh, House of Flowers, which is an adventure. You can pick that up for pay what you want. Uh, don't feel obligated to give me money, but if you enjoy it, I would appreciate a few dollars. Uh, I also co-wrote with Nick here uh, Five Cataclysms Core Rules Beta Edition, which is another system, uh, RPG system. You can pick up for whatever price you like. So, it's a work in progress. Nick's also got good adventures that you should check out. Also, all right. Well, you better, you better chill yourself. Hi, I'm Nick. Hopefully soon, I'm going to be releasing a pack of ex yeah. exploration. That's hex and exploration. You can explore hexes. But it's going to be designed for high-level content and players only, and more geared to my world, which means it's going to be cheap and completely unrelated to your world, but it might give you some awesome, great ideas for your own stuff. I guess I'm showing this to Sean. <laughs> I might check it out. At the yeah, very super high-level, very dangerous, very goofy, very loose and fast. Yeah, all right. Then with that, I guess we get to the end of the oh, podcast. That's all under five cataclysms. It's five cataclysms at Drive Through RPG. That's me and Chris's stuff. Check out five cataclysms. Only on Drive Through RPG cool. because Chris won't put it other places. I'll, I'm I'm gonna put it on itch.io. It'll soon to be coming to itch.io when I have time, which is probably next week. You have time. <laughs> How do you choose to spend it? I'll make a physical edition where I just literally like copy everything in shorthand, like like with a pen, and and then that would take you so long. Take you a while. Are you a monk? And and then I'll sign it, like with a name that's not related to either of the guys who actually made it. Go for it. I. Ow! It's like <laughs> if you do that, you've earned it, man. So if you're interested in that, then uh, GM me, and we'll we'll figure out the price. <laughs> Apparently. Hi, I want a handwritten copy of this module. What's your rate? <laughs> <laughs> hmm, never gotten that asked before. Yeah, usually people just pirate it. Right. The Trove has all of my stuff for free. Check it out. So now we get to that part of the podcast where we just talk about inane bullshit until one of us says something hilarious or uh, inappropriate or awkward. And then I'll cut off the podcast and, and, and everybody listening will be just like... Chris is building stuff in that Minecraft game? that's going to be in my D&D &D game, which I finally get to host again mm. this Sunday. Yeah, nice. this is a... Do, do you like this giant structure? Well, let's see here. It is a neat giant structure. Well, you're not even showing the good parts. Uh, you mean like the go. lakeside here? Yeah, that's it. So you need to go up a little so that there's like more of an isotropic perspective. Isometric. Isometric. Show the matriculations. Does it have matriculations yet? It does have matriculations. It's always had. I've had matriculations for so long. Well, Look at these fucking matriculations. Are you matriculating people again? Yeah. Maybe someday. I'm just debating now whether or not to do damage to the structures if it happens in the game. Drink if you do, I just have to go, go out and fly around and go... 
Is that a warp pipe? If you go in there, will it take you to the underground? But it did it did it. Oh yeah, and there's like Why do you need to warp? Oh no, I just oh, I just pissed off all the zombie pigmen. God damn it. That sounds about right. Oh yeah, this is a giant cool room. It still has snow on the floor for some reason. Because I haven't cleaned it all off. Looks like a mess. Once you clean it up. What? Alright. Okay. We're not doing anything awkward. Yeah, that seems to be the issue here, doesn't it? I'm kind of dozing off slightly. Does that happen? Awkwardness has to happen naturally. What? I'll shove my awkward wherever I want it. 